Hi, my name is Bill Cumby. I'm a uh, teacher at First Church Ministries, and uh, we are studying the book of Genesis. Uh, this is the third lesson. We did a couple in chapter one, and we actually are going back into chapter one today um, to finish up at the very end. So, it, it, so the the bad thing about these uh, this teaching format is that there's no feedback. Um, you know, I look at a camera, and you guys don't speak back. I might might, might get a comment some other way later on something. But uh, Jose uh, sits behind the uh, camera here, and afterwards we talk about things. And, and uh, after I went through uh, chapter one uh, last week, or actually a couple weeks ago now, uh, there was a, um, he, uh, when he was at seminary, I did a paper on the image of God. And so he said, you know, um, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on the image of God. And I realized that, wow, I didn't really talk about that at all, I, and, and, and it's so crucial. It's one of those things like, how could you forget to really talk about that? So that's what this, this third lesson really is about, is the image of God. So we're going to start off, we're in Genesis now, um, and you'll see here a key verse, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. That's what we're going to be unpacking today. That is the key verse of Genesis, okay? Uh, it, it is, uh, it is uh, perhaps... Um, it pro- it, 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 in my opinion, would definitely make it into the top ten of most important verses in Scripture. Okay, um, certainly in the Old Testament, and um, it so much springs from it. So we're going to take a little time to to really unpack that a little bit more today. So um, let's open in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the time we have together, and thank you for your great love to us, and the fact that uh, you. Help us understand why we're here, what the meaning of life is, why we were created, and that that answer, that the fellowship that we have with you and with our fellow man um, is just a source of joy and um, satisfaction that you love us so much and that you care for us and you've made so many good things, and yet things are are marred in uh, in creation now through the fall, through our rebellion. Lord, as we open your word now and study it, I, I just pray that you give us wisdom, that your spirit will rest upon us and help explain things, and that uh, we would give you honor and glory. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so um, I want uh, several of these slides are just background slides. I want to go over them really quickly because, again, without the setting, and you can't hear about the setting too much. I'm, I'm getting a bit older now. I'm 62 today. And uh, at work, I work with a bunch of kids. You know, we, to me, a kid is anybody under 35, and uh, and they're all kids, okay. And there's not, and and I think they're getting a little tired of me saying the same things over and over again, especially the dad jokes, like you know, when you get older, you can hide your old Easter eggs and stuff like that. But um, you just have to come back to things sometimes, over and over again, because that's the, that it's important thing. So. So we're going to look into uh, Genesis. The intro here is uh, first book of the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch, you know, Pentateuch means five scrolls, five books. And uh, those are the five f- first books of the Jewish uh, Bible. They were given to Moses when he was on Mount Sinai. That's what uh, church tradition and Jewish tradition is held. And, uh, and uh, we believe that. Um, uh, it was, uh, there are some modern scholars um, Jewish and Christian that both believe that, 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 that some of the Pentateuch was given at the time of, um, of captivity, which would be about 400 B.C., 450 B.C. 
but we, we hold that this is probably at the time of the Exodus, about a thousand years earlier than that, when they were coming out of Egypt. Uh, and that has some meaning, because um, the question is, why was Genesis written? What is Genesis about? And so Genesis, the word Genesis means beginnings, and it's, it chronicles the beginning of space-time, um, formation and furnishing of the world, creation of animals and the creation of mankind. Genesis is really the book where God answers our questions, where do we come from? Um, and and I, I'm going to deviate a little bit of this right now and say this. We live in a world that is so permeated with Genesis, okay, that, that God created the world and there's an orderly creation. Even when we deny its veracity, its truth, and, and there are a lot of deniers of that. I, I'm not one of them, but there are a lot in there. We still accept things that we don't even realize we accept. We, there, there, the, the idea that the world had a beginning and that it was created and that there's order, that, that, that there was chaos and then order came out of things and that, that there, there's a structure and that um, even concepts, um, Jose and I were talking before, thing of equality, okay? The equality has no meaning. If we evolved, the, the, not only the, fa the question of whether we're equal has no meaning, but equality, the word itself, has no meaning. It, 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 the idea that, that things could be equal to one another, there's a structure and a logic and a rationale, all comes out of a, 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 a creator that, that created things in a structure that we can understand and such. If you think that, that, uh, that we make that ourselves, I, I think this is the vaunting of man, that, that um, there is no reason to expect a structure in creation. That there is a structure is, again, a testimony to God. But not, we're not going there today. <laughs> um, uh, there's also a lot of other beginnings in there. The disobedience of mankind, first children, first destruction of the world by flooding, institution of government right after the flood, and first choosing of a nation, Israel, to carry God's uh, word and, and to, for God to form as a nation that could receive uh, Christ, Jesus, the Son of God, when he came into this world. Um, many stories about creation, you'll see, and we, we've covered that. You can go back in there. You can uh, do Wikipedia um, uh, and find 100 creation stories in there, um, and, uh, or maybe 90-something. There were a lot, and I went through a lot of them. So but let me tell you several things that are different in these different creation stories. I don't know of any other creation story um, that has two creation stories that uh, are complementary to one another. Now, again, if you listen to some people that just feel that the Bible is an agglomeration of stories, these, these stories actually, they'll say they don't agree with each other, which is really, really, it's hard to, it, it, for a non-biased person to really say that, that they, they fit too nicely. Um, there are differences, but the whole reason you have a second story is to get the different perspective. Um, but no other creation story. You get a creation story, you don't get it from these different perspectives. It's a straightforward account, very logical, meaningful, and coherent, okay? People say, oh, it's similar to all these other creation stories. It's not. There, there's a structure there, there's a logical, there's going through things that just isn't present in other creation stories. It discusses all aspects of creation. One of the purposes of this is it talks about the creation of everything and the earth, and the animals, and mankind. Most creation stories don't deal with everything. They deal with something, like the creation of the earth, or the creation of man. 
but not everything. Um, and it was specifically crafted, it was put together in a way to help us understand that God created everything. So much so, um, it, it, I say that the very end bullet here, that there's only one God, there are no others. There, I know of no other creation stories in which there is one sole creator God, and there are no other gods, okay? People will say, oh, there was a king in Egypt, Ancut, I believe his name is, I can't recall the name, but he believed in one God, but that God was actually a sun God, and it didn't deny the presence of other gods. He said this one God created, was the creator of everything, including other gods. God specifically, in Genesis specifically, says that's not true. There are no other gods. There is only one God, and that's unique in the story of creation. Um, and it's actually presented in a straightforward historical fashion. So people say, yeah, it's, it's fanciful, you know, God forming, doing this and forming that, and we'll talk about that. But it's really, it's pretty logical, straightforward rendering. In, in, in a culture that was not, uh, that did not have a tradition of scientific writing and orderly structure in, in its writings per se, this stands out as an exception, okay? And we're going to, we'll look at that in a little bit more detail um, in, a, in a couple slides. So this is the, the original, the creation of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. So we're going to come back to this in a few minutes. But there's this idea that there was nothing, and then God created everything, and that it was unformed. It was created, but unformed, and that God then created things. He said, let there be light. So, number one, God speaks and it happens. The first thing God creates is light. He's, again, we, we are so used to, um, to this account that is astounding. No other account would begin that there's light. And yet, in a scientific accounting, when the, if there was a Big Bang, which is most probable, um, that God caused something like that, that there would be light, that the, the, the creation of the world would bring in, would, uh, the world would expand and there would be suns kindled, basically. Um, and so we see that here, um, and we, God saw the light was good. So God, what he created was good. And we get that refrain through there, that God created and it was good. God said this, it was created and it was good. And so we're, we're picturing a, uh, a God overall, creator of all, who is able to create just by speaking. So it's an otherworldly God. It's, it's a God that can say something and make it happen. Uh, we've not long known words have meaning and import, but they, they, they're a descendant. Our words are a descendant of God's words. We are a, uh, a small shadow echo. The words we use are a shadow echo. People say, a six and seven will break my bones, the words will never hurt me. It, that, that, that's something to try to protect you, but that's not true. Words will hurt you far worse than six and stones will ever hurt you. And, um, and, and it, 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 it cut out your heart in a way that, that, that would never be otherwise. And yet they're a vague shadow of God's creative word. Um, and again, we'll come back to that. It's very interesting that John, when he wrote his gospel, so there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Matthew wrote first to, to, to say Jesus was king of the Jews. He presents Jesus as the new lawgiver, the, the successor to Moses, the one who is the Messiah and the one who comes to bring peace. Uh, and Mark presents him to the Romans as a servant of all mankind, one who would die to reconcile the world 
to uh, God. And then Luke presents him as a man. Luke, a physician, presents him as, a, as the perfect man, the one who uh, lived as a man, cared as a man, fellowshiped as a man, had community as a man. And those three Gospels were written very early, probably within about 25 years of Christ's death. But the last Gospel was written probably about 50 years after he died. And it's the Gospel of John. And John, the disciple that Jesus loved, as John is so happy to say in his own Gospel, uh, is, um, has reflected all these years on what it was, that who Jesus was, and he's the Son of God. And so he deliberately begins the Gospel of John with an echo back to Genesis 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So we get the Word and God speaking and stuff in here. <coughs> we also get he was at the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Again, this thing, the idea that God is creator of all, Jesus is God, and therefore he was there in the creation of all. Uh, not created himself, and yet there as part of the creator uh, of, of everything. And that in him was life, and the life was the light of man. And so we see this vision of the light as spiritual light as well as physical light. And so we see that these, um, the gospel echoes back into what this chapter is reinforcing the importance of this chapter. Now, um, if you look at this chapter, it has six days of creation, and the six days of creation are uh, day one, um, he creates light and dark, day two, uh, he creates sky and sea. So he creates the outer space, he creates the inner space of sky and sea, and then the land. Okay, so we get this moving in towards land, and then we see that the light and dark is the sun, moon, and stars. And then the sky and sea is filled with sea and air animals. And then the sixth, the land is filled with land animals and man. And so we, we, we see a picture of God, a structure in this thing. It pictures God as a workman that creates the spaces and furnishes the spaces. Uh, we see it in a very orderly structure, uh, much as like uh, you say, I, I want you to know everything from A to Z. So he says, I want you to know this and this and this and that also inside of this this and this there's this this and this and I created it all I created it all um, and that's to help the Israelites leaving Egypt where there's a multitude of gods many of them who've been ridiculed with the plagues that God God brought against Egypt to help them understand that he is the true God he is the one God that they can trust him that he is sufficient unto them and that there are no other gods. So much so that when he even talks about the, the sun and moon, he doesn't talk about, he doesn't use any word in any language for sun or moon because all the words at those times, the Egyptian words and, and the surrounding, they were gods. So the sun and moon were gods. And so he says the greater light and the lesser light because he's trying to help them understand there are no other gods. It, it, I am it, okay? And so we, we see these first six days of creation. So Genesis 1, I mean, you think about how long the Bible is. So in one chapter, God has basically established uh, one page that, that he is God and there's no other besides him, that he's created everything. And so then we go into day six. Okay, so, so we, we talked last week a little about the word create. It says, in the begin, beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the word is bara, something out of nothing. Okay, creation of something from nothing. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth, mentioned once there. And then it says uh, everything else. It never says that God formed or God made or God said, let the land bring forth. 
but the word create, bara, is not mentioned again until he creates animals. And then he says in that God created the great sea animals and the birds of the air and other animals, and that, that's day five. And so, so he does not use the word create for uh, land animals again. So, so there's one word bara, second word bara, and then for the creation of man, he mentions it three times. Uh, and we're going to talk about that because the purpose of Genesis 1 is to say that God created it all, there is one God, but the focus is to say is, is the pinnacle of creation. And the pinnacle of creation, why creation even exists, was mankind. And so that's what he wants to talk about. So we see here, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creepy, creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, behold, I've given you, given you every plant seed, plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth that has breath of life, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that everything he, he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So, so we're going to sort of take this apart a little bit more, and again, talk about the image of God, uh, what it is to be created in the image of God. And so we say here, so, so the God said, let us, and this is a very unusual thing. In fact, I was talking with a friend of mine um, uh, a Jewish uh, young woman who we're talking, I was talking about how you, you could understand that scripture hadn't been changed because um, Judaism is a monotheistic religion, one God, in fact, the great monotheistic religion that, that everything sprang from, uh, of monotheism. And uh, using, the, in using us has long caused problems with, with trying to interpret what they meant here because it's obvious God is not talking about angels because the angels aren't part of that creation. It's not, it's not the heavenly cord. Um, God is separate. A Jewish person would never equate God with the angels. It can't be that. So, so why is the word us there? And the answer is, I would think, uh, it could be the royal we. But again, that's not used other places. You know, it's, it's a strange thing. And so what's going on here? The, 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 um, the integrity of Scripture, though, is preserved because though it we don't, they don't understand why they preserved the word. Just like there's many incidents in the Old Testament, if you want to have your founding fathers, you talk about your founding fathers like in the U.S., now we've started to pick and tear at them too. But in the whole, you tend to uh, you gloss over the, the failings of them. You don't put them in. You don't emphasize those. Um, they're, they're right out there. And, and if you say, well, we do that too, we don't do it like the scripture does it, okay? You read about Abraham, you read about giving his wife away twice, you read about Lot, you know, I, I don't even want to say what Lot was doing. It was horrible, and yet, these are the founding fathers of the faith, and, and, and it, 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 they're preserved because it's not about us, it's about God and what God does in our lives, and that God takes us, deeply flawed as we are, and still loves us and cares for us and works with us. And so we see here, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them 
have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the livestock over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. By the way, a catalog of everything, basically. So God created, and this you get the word bara, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, bara again. Male and female, he created them. So it, 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 you get this slowing down. In fact, if you look at this, you get, you get let us make man in our image and, have, and let them have dominion. We get this slow down in verse 27. And then you get, and God bless them and he gives them dominion again. So the, it, this, this central verse, 27, is bracketed by a restatement of the first one. And so we see that this is a very important section, something that, that, um, that we need to s- slow down and pay attention to. So this is, this is um, 26 and 27. This is the same verse as recast. Okay? So this is the same thing, but I, what I've done is I've changed the text so it's a different size so you can understand what's going on here. Um, uh, what I think is, and again, this is the integrity of a teacher in Scripture that you don't want to mess with it. So I'm telling you up front, I'm changing and laying it out differently. It's the same words but I'm trying, trying to give you some direction to where I think God's talking and what's the important thing here. The important thing is not the, the, the dominion that's here. It's, it is important, very important, uh, you know, but it's not the major point. The real thing is God saying, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And there's a plural there, and mankind is plural. And we're going to come back to that. That is part of what it is to be created in the image of God. Um, and so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And I'm going to stop right there and say, in Genesis 2, we find that man was created first. He named all the animals, which probably took several days. I mean, if he named all the animals, uh, you know, you were talking about hundreds of different kinds of animals. And, uh, and then he was put into a, he didn't find a helper suitable for him, put into a deep sleep, and woman was taken out of his side. You know, as to so that all of mankind came from one, and that mankind was created as two, but they were one. And Genesis one here talks about a simultaneous creation. You get no indication that they're saying. That's why I say one and two complement one another, because the emphasis and what God's really trying to teach here um, to the Israelites is that mankind is one. It all came out from one, even. The, the woman came out from one. If, if he had given the historical account of the time lapse and stuff, that would be obscured. But here, he's trying to help us understand we are created in the image of God. Number one, that involves more than oneness. Okay? And number two, there is an equality in that, there, in that man is both male and female. It's not like man is male and female is a derivative of man. That's not presented here. It's never presented here. Uh, people have said that scripture is very, uh, has been used to oppress women, and um, I would not disagree with that at all. She's been used to, to um, suppress and oppress quite a few people and quite a few things, but that's not its intent. That's not what's written. Good people, or excuse me, bad people use good texts, just like Bad people use good things like atomic energy, getting energy that we is can be abundant and stuff. It can be good, and yet mankind can use that for very bad stuff too. And so, just because something is used badly does not render it not, not good. 
And scripture is good, and scripture does teach the equality of male and female. It also teaches that the, there's a struggle between male and female, but that struggle is a result of the fall, not the result of creation. So mankind is created equal. Um, and by the way, I think maintain, maintains that equality after the fall, but now there's a struggle about that equality. So I don't think the scripture teaches there is no equality after the fall. I think it teaches there is, but I think, you think now is a struggle in that equality. We'll get to that in a, a few lessons. Um, but here I want to have you, so God created man in his own image. Um, and that's the important thing. And then we get this, this second, the, the stuff that comes afterwards, and God blessed them and said to them, and again, a, a re, uh, a given of the uh, mandate of dominion over creation. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a bit. And the fact that he's given them everything. And um, that is, uh, again, we pass over things really thing. He said, well, they were all vegetarians because of this, because they said they gave them all plant foods, it's, uh, all the plants to eat. But yeah, that could be true. I mean, I'm, I, they may have been vegetarians, but that's not the purpose of here. The purpose here is the creator of everything giving his creation permission to eat everything. <laughs> it is, we say, well, duh. So, well, that's not, a, I mean, God is God. He's Lord of all. You don't mess with, a, you know, you see the sign, no trespassing, you can't trespass, okay? God's saying, this is for you. I created this for you. That's the other thing is, this was created for us. You know, creation, we are not part of creation in the sense we are the lords of creation. And, and in this, that's a very, maybe not um, a very acceptable statement in light of how the current views on nature and the world and us. And yet that is clearly taught in scripture that, that the world was created for mankind. And we are able to exercise dominion over it does not mean that we're able to destroy it. We're responsible. We're stewards of this. It's not, it's not given to us. It's given to us for our use. And it's part of God's creation, and we should be good stewards of it. And yet, it is there for us. Okay, so let's talk about what is the image of God. Um, so uh, last night, when I couldn't get to sleep, this more than doubled, Okay. Uh, and, I, and I will say this is part of the thing that I, I, I try to not use too much notes, so there's some just questions and stuff here, but I want to give you a little direction here. So people have asked what is the image of God for many, many years, and there's been many, many answers. And in this attempt here, which is not a systematic theological attempt, this is just uh, what I understand from, from my studies when I was at seminary and reading on the side and meditating, um, this is what the general consensus is. And the general consensus is the first bullet, and less general consensus is the last bullet. So this is structured. I moved this around to sort of help you understand. The first thing most people agree with, the last one, especially giving, is, is something that I haven't really seen at all. Okay, Loving, maybe. Giving, no. So and I'm going to explain why that's in here. So moral agency. Okay. Are we responsible for our actions? Do we make free choices? And are, are, are we rational and can we reason in a special way? Are we intentional? So being created in the image of God, what does that mean? So the animals don't have the same responsibility for their actions. They don't have the same moral agency. They don't, uh, there's not the um, intentionality that a human can have. So 
we, we can plan for the future. There's no indication that any animal plans beyond maybe one season, per se, for hibernation or things like that. It's just not long-term uh, planning, stuff like that, that, that humans is very, it's in our nature. We do that. And we reach back to our ancestors and we reach forward to our descendants. And there is part of a family. So there's a moral agency there. Um, we hold that people are responsible for what they do. In fact, uh, uh, the, uh, the exception proves the rule many times. There are people that have, have been disturbed mentally or do not have all their faculties about them, and we do, not, we do not hold them responsible for their actions. We do not hold animals responsible for their actions. Now, if some, an animal does something, if there's a killer tiger or out there, they would kill the tiger, but they didn't hold the tiger responsible. The tiger was doing what the tiger was doing, type thing. So, so there's a, a moral agency here. Um, in other words, we are there's an independence to us. Okay, there's a self-aware independence of us, and so that's part of what it means to be created in the image of God: a rational mind, a responsibility. A, a decision making choices and such um, so are we are we more than just physical in other words wh what does it mean to be in the image of God and we are animals okay we we are for we were formed from the earth the same way animals were God specially formed mankind he says in Genesis 2 um, and breathed the breath of life into him he formed the other animals but he didn't breathe the breath of life into him and so there is in Genesis 1 and 2 this indication that there's more to us than just the physical world. So somehow we transcend creation, okay? So there, there, there's a part of us that's in the image of God that's more than physical. Um, and uh, so uh, we're caught in the space-time frame matrix framework. Um, and um, one of the things that shows us that there were, were more than, than this is that we feel uncomfortable in time. People have trouble with time. Moves too fast, moves too slow. Wish we could do something, wish we could go back, wish we could go forward. There's this uncomfortableness with how we are, who we are, and it's because we're more than just physical creation. We're more than just a physical creation. There's, there's a mind that is, is eternal. It's, it's, set in, it's set inside this space-time matrix that rebels against the rigidity of this time and the fact that there is time, things have a beginning and an end in time where we don't feel that. There's an eternalness to us and um, physical appearance. So that's, that's actually been higher up on the list through the ages and it's, it's I'm moving down here. Um, because there, are, I think there's an echo of mirror to God physically, but I don't think that's what's getting at it. I, th I think we, we, in some way, mirror God physically. Some of the attributes, maybe the ability to have sensory stuff and to interact with one another closely and yet be independent, to have uh, redundancy, sort of mirror, symmetry, beauty, and stuff. I just have to say of, of, of those... Uh, but in the past, that's actually been fairly high up, and so I put it up this high. So I, I don't think that's a strong one for us. Uh, and again, these are these are my opinions. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, scholars have been debating this for a long time. Um, since since the time since 
almost since the time Christ died. Actually, before that, the Jewish people were debating that in this, too. And what did it mean to be created in the image of God? Dominion. Is, is rulership part of uh, God rules all, and so is our dominion? I, I actually have to say, I would say no, that's not one of the stronger ones, except that before verse 27 and after verse 27, we get this uh, man having, um, uh, man having uh, dominion, uh, let them have dominion over the thing. So um, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Let them have dominion. And so that bracketing has got to be important. And so I think that does two things, by the way, for us. It means that we were made for dominion, and that's part of the image of God. But it also reflects back that we are, God is, has dominion over us, that there is a God who has a call on us, that has dominion over us. The modern world really does not want that kind of God. So you'll get God all the time, you know, the, the, the force. Okay, or uh, an avatar, the mind, the world mind thing, but it's one that it, it doesn't rule over mankind. It, it's there, and it may help them, may hurt them, but it doesn't rule. It doesn't tell you know. And, and yet we see here there is a God that has dominion. He has a call on our lives. He is our Creator. It's not that we are God. It's that there is a different God, God Himself. We're not God, and so there's this. Um, uh, we have the ability to, 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 um, to discriminate, the ability to plan, um, the ability to order things, organize things, and that is one of the things that needs to be in order, the image of God. And that's one of the reasons I say that, it, that there is no reason that we would have an ordered mind and math and, sci and structured science and that nature would act the way it is, except that God created it and we are endowed with the mind that has that structure to understand it too. And so that's dominion is one of the things. Community, so that's been less emphasized, the fact that we are uh, created in such a way that we're complete by ourselves, but we're not complete by ourselves. So each individual is complete, and yet we're not complete. And you say, well, that you're talking nonsense there. And what I'm talking is something that actually has, I just have to say is metaphysical. It goes beyond the physicality, it's beyond that. Just as God is one God, there is one God. In fact, that was the whole emphasis in the Pentateuch, is there is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. And yet, inside that oneness, there is a threeness. Okay? So, so in G, in God the Father is God complete by himself, which you can't say really by himself, because this is true. Jesus is, is the Son of God complete by himself as God, and the Holy Spirit, and yet they're not. And so... Um, and this is an emphasis that's more recent, okay, by recent I'd say the last couple centuries, um, certainly the last, the 20th century, uh, there were glimmers of it beforehand, but the, the deepness of community, that that, that that would be such a strong part of being created in the image of God, has really got more attention more recently. Um, I actually think it's very, very important. I think the whole reason we see these tense switches from singular to plural, and the fact that him uh, let us create God in our image and going back and forth is very strong evidence that there's more going on here than just creation of a man and a woman, okay? And so there's community. And by the way, people say, well, it's like, in fact, I was talking with um, uh, someone, they said, well, like kids, is that like, you know, father, son, Holy Spirit, husband, wife, and 
It's, no, that's not where he's talking. So it, it's, it's of kind, not of number, okay? So the fact that mankind is one is the issue, not man, woman, and child, or man and woman. It's not even man and woman, again, it's mankind that is one. And so, uh, and again, that makes some sense because we are images of God and likeness of God. We are not the exact representation. And so how the, the oneness and community comes out in us is going to be different than how God is. And yet, it's present in God and we inherit that spiritually. Uh, and then we get communication, okay? God said, let there be light, and there was light. No other animal, um, and again, we have an animal frame, okay, but we're more than animals. But, but no animal um, communicates in the way we do. You'll say, oh, there's apes, they taught them origin. Yeah, they're equivalent to about a third, uh, at most third grader, generally a kindergarten person. Uh, there are uh, certainly well sounds, and they do tend to communicate. There are bird sounds, and they communicate. There's lots of communication, but communication in a theoretical, philosophical level, planning for the future, talking about time and stuff like that, there's no evidence that that's in, in any type of nature or creation. Um, you say, well, just because it's not, you don't know, doesn't mean it's not there. You're right. But I, I, I say that the communication is a particularly aspect of God that he endowed mankind with and that our and I, I do know this there are uh, there may be some uh, there's no indication there may be some long verbal handing down of the ancestors just like a lot of um, uh, human uh, tribes and stuff uh, and people's groups handed down things verbally long maybe that's happening with the whales or something I don't know but I'm saying there's the future's not out there you see mankind's able to bridge the whole thing and that's special. That's, it also means that we're not really, we're in time but not really of it. This communication, this discussion is necessary because we live in a, we're independent, we're separate. Space-time separates things. So, so, uh, so, 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 so some religions uh, have sort of tapped into that and so you'll get this concept of a nirvana in Hinduism and Buddhism uh, that all thing melding into the vast of where everything is all the same, because there's this glimpse of an uh, of a life outside of the space-time creation. I, I don't think they have it right. I don't think that's what's going on there. But but yet it is a, a deep tap in us because we are more than just this time period. And communication is part of it because in Nirvana you don't. There's no need to communicate because you you are com the communication is you and you are the communication. And so, I know it sounds a little like Marshall McLuhan, but uh, the, the media is the message. But it, it, there's a truth to that. There's a truth to the communication is who we are. And that's why names are important and words are important. We'll see that in scripture. Um, then we get uh, creativity. We are uniquely creative. Um, thinking and bringing into creation new things. You know, God is, was creative. He created and we are endowed with that spirit of creativity. Uh, loving, um, are, are we able to um, uh, love and experience emotion and feelings uh, that are quality and magnitude different from the rest of creation? Now, one of the things that, you know, if there's um, some theological scholars or anything will say, well, that's not the image of God because God is impassable. So one of the things that, that uh, is taught in, in, um, in, in, in theology 
is that God does not have emotions. Because if he had emotions, you would change, and God never changes, okay? And I agree with that, except that there's something in God that in the space-time matrix can only be explained as an emotion. It can only make sense as God changing his mind. It says in a couple times in Scripture, it literally says in God repented of his evil. Okay? He didn't really do that, obviously. Number one, he wouldn't do evil. Okay? And God doesn't change his mind. And there's an expression once where I had not even thought of what they're doing. That's just, that's a colloquial expression to, of, of, of how astounding what was happening is doing. Not that God didn't know. Um, so we, we're able to experience an emotions in a depth and a realm that mimics something greater outside of creation that we don't know about. But it's different from what the animals have. The animals have fear, yes. The animals have love, maybe. But not at the quality of the, of the it's a qualitative difference in mankind. And giving, okay, so, so that I added that last night. I was thinking, you know, I, I come back to how, who was Christ? Who was Jesus? And who was God, you know, in, the, in, the, in all of the uh, in thing? And I, we come back to the verse that so many people love, and I love too, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So whoever believes in him may have life eternal. And I think God has made, God gave us creation. God gave us so much good things. And part of what's being in the image of God is our ability to give to others. Not just other people, but to creation itself, too. And so mankind is made to give, too, just as God gave. Um, and, and so we're, um, it's just different, okay? It's, again, it's not saying that animals don't give to others, but we're uniquely suited to be um, sacrificial. And you say, well, animals, uh, 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 animal sacrifice for his children and stuff like that. We're able to sacrifice for others that have no relation to us. We're able to give to, with no expectation of return. There's something different in us. And so I think that's part of what it means to be created in the image of God. So let me talk about this in sort of the light of what's going on now with this unrest now with the coronavirus and people trying to figure out, should I do this or should I do this? Do you have the right to tell me to do this? Or do I have a responsibility to do this? And, and then we've had the unrest with um, George Floyd with, with horrible um, uh, p police brutality. And, and I, I, I would say just up front, I strongly support police. Police are necessary. They preserve structure and order, and yet bad police are blight on everyone, including the police force, because it reflects badly on them. And what happened was horrible. Horrible. Not, it was horrible. I mean, when you really think about what's going on here and you see what we were created to be, it is horrible. Uh, and so, a again, you go back and forth and, and you think, I understand the rage that leads to riots. I, I, it's there. I mean, how can you avoid it? You know, Martin Luther said it, the rioting is sort of the voice of the unheard. It, you, people get so frustrated that they can't. Uh, Martin Luther King, by the way, sorry. Uh, it just, it's just, 
it, it wells out. It's like road rage, okay? And, and you don't want to have road rage, but it happens sometimes when somebody does something that endangers you or your family and you just, you can't think of anything else. And yet, I do know that the police, when that happens, have to maintain order even then. And so sometimes hardly, not, not, not the means of George Floyd, but other means have to be employed to bring order to and to protect other people. But this is all about the image of God. This is all about the fact that we have dignity and worth because we are created in the image of God. That God loves us and cares for us and that God did not create us by ourselves. That he created us to be part of the community. And when one person suffers in this world, everyone suffers. And, and that may sound like a very trite thing and it is very metaphysical and no, I can't feel the kid that's dying in India from starvation. I can't. I, do, I don't, and yet it's true. It really is true. And it's part of what's created to be created in the image of God. We are all in this together because we are one. And so what's happening today is horrible. And we need to change what's going on. I, I have to say at the same time, this is all the result of our rebellion and our fall. Mankind decides what's right now, not God. And mankind, and some of mankind decides what's right for them uh, is right no matter what it involves in other people. It's just that's the, everyone has their own decision and their own thing. And if you, speak to, if you speak to the fact that we just evolved and we're just animals, then I don't know that you have any call on telling anybody that they're wrong to think that they're the one that's the most important and you can do what you need to do. I, I don't mean to be mean. I just don't understand what basis you have of that. Um, because nothing in nature would indicate that, that there's some kind of judicial court to decide among animals on things. At any, at any scale, there may be some small one in packs of animals. So um, what does this mean to us from the gospel? It means that when mankind fell, and we're going to get into this, when mankind fell, through disobedience and rebellion, that um, we all were condemned. And you say, well, that's not fair. I mean, I wasn't even born then. Well, let me add on as a codicil that every one of us has since performed and done bad ourselves. So, so if, if you don't like the fact that we, we all emanate from one and that we're all one, uh, like I say, you're individually condemned too. So you, know, you have it as a group, you have it as an individual. That's what I say, it's all together there. But we are still, we stand condemned on this. And what Christianity is, is God coming as a man, the perfect man. That's why Jesus had to be fully man and fully God. He had to be fully God to be worthy of the sacrifice that would redeem all of mankind. He had to be fully man because it says in Romans that Jesus is the new Adam. And those who trust in him are now the lineage of the new Adam, of Jesus Christ. And so when we become believers, we are somehow united in the body of Christ in the way that we were once united in the body of Adam, okay? And so this is important, and these verses are important because it shows we really are one. And everybody you come across is an eternal soul that God loves and that God was willing to die for and God wants you to be willing to die for, to, to help them come into eternal 
salvation, eternal union, eternal community with God. And so that's what's important here. I mean, I, I say, I, 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 being created in the image of God is very important. Have I been exhaustive on this? No, not at all. I mean, there's so much more. Um, but it has something to say to us today. It has something to say that as God loves justice, so we should seek justice. As God loves mercy, so we should see, have mercy. Um, and that as God loves, we should love. As God gives, we should give. Because we are created in his image. We are his children. Um, and he cared so much for us that he sent his child, uh, son of God, to die for us that we could become children of God in the sense of eternal children of God with him. But there is a choice we make. There's a groupness and there's an individualness. So you must choose a group. You stay with the old Adam or you go with the new Adam. And there's an individualness that goes with that group choice. Either you go your own way or you go with God and, and, and submit to him. Uh, but it's a submission not of servitude, but of fellowship and love. So I, I have another slide here for, uh, well, I actually have here that, that, that we see that summary in this. I actually have another slide that talks about uh, chapter 2, just the first couple of verses. That's where we're going to start next time. It, Chapter 2 starts on about the seventh day, and so we're going to pick up there next time um, because I think we're getting quite a bit here right now. Um, let me close in prayer, prayer for us and prayer for the situations we're facing now. Lord, we thank you that you love us and care for us and um, that that love extended so far that you um, gave us an account of what everything was before anything was and how you created everything and how you have control of all things and yet you've ceded some of that control to mankind to make his own choices um, though we don't see it here we know that um, from our history and our lives and, and subsequent chapters of Genesis that we decide to go our own way uh, we decide that we know what's best we decide what's right and wrong and uh, and we're able to be the arbiters of truth uh, um, We've eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and so now we decide we will be like God. We will make our own decisions. And um, all the pain and suffering of this world comes from that decision. All of it. And none of it was created by you. You created only good. You created the very good. Um, so, Lord, help us to um, place in our hearts a yearning desire to draw close to you, to be shielded by you, to be protected by you, and to be your agents of redemption to others, to be not only protected by you, but to protect others for you, to reach out to help others for you. This time of this coronavirus, we pray that we might be um, good corporate community members to help others that may be at risk in situations, and yet, uh, we also pray that you'll help us individually and protect us, keep us safe, help us make wise decisions. Lord, we pray in this unrest now um, with this, um, not, not just uh, uh, George Floyd, but the um, several situations in which it has become uh, very apparent, or more apparent, because it's already been apparent 
it's just been ignored too much, but it's an apparent that there um, really needs to be a, a um, intolerance you know, of injustice, uh, regardless of what the source of that injustice is. And if it's, it's it, in fact, if it's caused by the people that are supposed to bring justice, like the police, then it, it needs to be dealt with severely. Um, and yet, Lord, we know we need our structure. We know we need protection ourselves. So, Lord, I pray you give us the balance to love those that, that, that are good, that really want to help us, that want to be, uh, as, as a show I watched last night, talk about the police being in, in, in good form, that the sheepdog of society guarding the flock and getting angry when someone goes in to hurt it. Um, and, Lord, also have us to be vigilant for the times when things aren't that way because we do live in a fallen world. Help us to care for those that have, um, it, it, the words are, are too trite to say that have lost out, have been downtrodden, have been dehumanized, but those are the words, Lord, the ones that have lost out, um, not only because of their individual actions, but because of a racial thing, that, 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 that people always want to be better than others. They don't want to be part of a community. Sometimes, Lord, we don't want, we want to be part of a community, but we want to be able to exclude others and say we're better than others. I strike at that, strike that in our hearts. Help us understand that we're not better than others. There's no one that is morally, ethically better than another person. Any redemption we have as Christians comes through Christ and is external to us, not internal in us. Um, Lord, just help us reach out and to love others and to care for others and to fight for others and defend those that cannot defend themselves. Um, we ask these things in your name, Jesus. We do thank you for your life and your death and your love for us and the fact that the Holy Spirit now dwells in us and gives us power to change things. I pray that, uh, Holy Spirit, you will empower us to change things and draw us closer to you and help us love you more and to give you glory for all the good things you've done. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.